Hotter than the inside of a Jimmy Dean's breakfast sandwich. It's the third episode of season three of Warning Track. Kyle Turk, Noah Goad, Tino Barca inside the uh, inside the bowels of Holden Hall in, in Studio H here of uh, the Impact Studios. Tino, how you doing Monday Monday night? I'm well. Got to watch some baseball this weekend. Some nicer weather, so I'm I'm feeling good. Noah, are you are you also quote unquote feeling good? I'm feeling great. The sun was out today. You know, good day. All right, so we finally got to see ourselves some live, real, in-person baseball. Probably our first of 2018. I don't know. We we should. Uh, my, my one goal is always to get to spring training one year. I, I think one of these one of these years I'm just gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to bite the bullet. Maybe once I'm an actual adult. And I kinda, I haven't, like, haven't been since I was seven. Take some time off. Were you, did you live like in the southern area though, or were you just like on on a trip just Vacation. to see? Okay. Vacation. Yeah. Where do the Cubs play there? Play their spring training games. Um, Mesa, Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona. The weird thing is, I never understand because some of the AL teams are in Arizona, some of the NL teams are in Arizona, but it's there's not like a. They should really just try to divide like a clear crossover, because because like, I don't know if I'm looking at stats for like Grapefruit League versus uh, gosh, what's the other one? Cactus is it Cactus? Yeah, Cactus. Cactus. All right. I don't know if I'm if I'm looking at those leagues like the stats. You know, you can't really gauge. I don't know. Oh, it's preseason baseball. It, no, I don't just think let them it, have some fun. Exactly. Yeah. Let let the kids go out there and have some fun. The kids went out there. For uh, for Michigan State this weekend had themselves a little bit of fun against Niagara, although not as much fun as some had predicted. Maybe in this very same space, a a weekend split with an under otherwise I'm going to call them uninspiring Niagara team. So uh, you recapping it very very quickly as succinctly as possible. The is a is an offensive explosion on Thursday, uh, ten to one win. Riley McCauley held a. Of the Purple Eagle offense in check. Love, love a good Purple Eagle. Probably my favorite match. Actually, never seen one. I, I would hope so. I would hope not. I would hope not. Uh, then you go into Friday's game. You're up for most of the game. And then, just like that, let me snap into the microphone this time. Two ninth inning errors, and you lose yourself a pretty winnable game. They lose that one 3-2. to two. Niagara, uh, with, with a split, probably already feeling happy about themselves. They go out. They face off with Mason Erla, who's been uh, he's been living under a rock. He's been probably the number one go-to guy for Jake Boss so far this year. Shuts them down, five to one win there, and then the one that all three of us were able to attend yesterday, the the Sunday kind of a matinee, a, a wild one, twelve to ten. This was a game that it looked like either team was trying to give this one away at points. Uh, eventually, Niagara was just able to uh, capitalize on the sheer amount of Michigan State's mistakes. That they made on the Sunday's game and ended up winning that one 12 to 10. Lots to unpack here. Uh, a split in a situation where you should have got three or four, though. I mean, given given the way you were up in that Friday game and the way that you played in the Sunday game. Yeah, quick spoiler alert. I'm coming out with a the piece for our impact89fm.org slash sports. Um, and it's I have it titled right now, How MSU Squandered a Perfectly Scheduled Niagara Series. And this was perfectly scheduled. I'll say that because you couldn't have scheduled a better team at a better time. And Niagara, like we said, isn't. Uh, I'm a good sure there team. are plenty of teams you could schedule. Well, yeah, right. But in the situation that MSU was in, you lost a heartbreaker to Clemson, gave up a ton of runs in one inning. You lost to Furman. You you got your behind kicked by Illinois, fifteen to four. You wanted this Niagara series in your home opener. This is the series you wanted. A struggling, ailing Purple Eagles ball club. You know, 
you couldn't have scheduled, like I said, a better team. And this series really encapsulated everything that I think we've seen so far. Some close close losses and maybe a, a game or two where they put some runs on the board miraculously and you just wonder where that offense is, is hiding. But like I said, you know, this was the series that you wanted to schedule. They scheduled it and you couldn't come away with, with a series win. And, and another, another thing, maybe the flip side of that defense is the mistakes that have been happening have come from I don't want to put it all on one person in particular, but but it just so happens that a few of the errors have been on Roy Sando, a guy who has normally been sure-handed up the middle. It, it, I'm not going to say his play defensively cost them the two games because I'm sure he made plenty of other plays here and there. But when when the wood is going to get chopped in the ninth inning against on Friday, you have a chance to win that game. You blow it with the two errors there, and then... Uh, it was it was in the later stage. Refresh my memory. Sixth or seventh inning, maybe, maybe even eighth. The, the, the Friday the, game. No, on the Sunday game, where Sunday the, 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 the I mean, Sunday game all around was the, just a little. It was kind of a disaster. A little, a little tough to watch, but the, the the drop on the double play where it was uh it was hit right to the shortstop yeah, and Ando. That was in the later stage. That was either yeah. sixth or seventh, eighth one somewhere in there. But that was a time where Michigan State, I think, had a, at that point it was a one run game. I might it might be wrong on that, but some some sort of circumstances. Combine, and Roy Sando is again the quote unquote scapegoat for Michigan State defensively. And and I I don't know where, do you think it's just a random number generator saying, here's your error here, here's your error there, and uh, maybe later in the season those plays are are automatic. Yeah, well, no, you know we'll backtrack to to Friday's game. You were there, yeah, Noah. Yeah. So Noah was there, and 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 actually. Ando wasn't the first one with the arrow. It was Ryan King. So let's talk about that a little bit because it, it, King really started everything off. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there was a ground ball hit to shortstop. Ryan King airmailed it way over into the stands, and that let up a runner on. And then a few batters later, again, another error up the middle. Uh, I believe it was on Ando. And, yeah, it was, a uh, you know, they... I, it was it was just botched defensively. Uh, let up a couple on. Was it one of those runs. borderline kind of infield hit types, though, or was it just misplaying a ground ball? No, it was misplaying a ground ball, and you know they they messed up defensively, let up a couple unearned runs, and cost them the game late in the inning, early in the game. And that was a big. I feel like there was a bigger deal though on maybe both on Friday and on Sunday because the amount of unforced base runners I think was was even a bigger deal on Sunday. Of course, that's when when you, when you let up 10 12 runs you're gonna you're gonna bound to get uh, you know guys on through your walks guys on via the air but Niagara at their part they they did get some clutch hits when they needed them I would I will say that about Niagara uh they managed to keep Greg Cohen kind of in check I don't know if you come into the series batting around 500 it's really tough to uh to stop you over four game stretch but I mean the pitching seemed all right for this weekend I mean outside of maybe Sunday, a little bit here and there, but that, maybe that's just a matter of innings piling up after a long weekend. Pitching was good. Uh, Riley McCauley, seven innings, four hits, no runs, only two strikeouts on Thursday. That's not really what we see out of him. I mean, he's usually the, the power pitcher, a really good fastball. Uh, where it usually racks up a ton of strikeouts, but um, he pitched really well, and they only gave up one run on Friday, which was charged to Caleb Sleeman, and he gave up some more runs yesterday. So it yeah, I said it on the green and white report yesterday. If the bullpen performs, that that was my one of my keys to the finale. If the bullpen performed, they were going to win that series three out of four. And and Sleeman is the guy I keep coming back to. 
I mentioned him yesterday. He, he's he's give, giving up a ton of runs out of the bullpen. And then Thursday, he didn't give up a ton of runs. He gave up one run. But still, every you know, it seems like every outing he's giving up at least one run, and that's not good to see if you're if you're a coach boss looking for some assurance in the bullpen. Backtracking really quick to McCauley, uh, seems to be it's tough when you go with these big fluctuations because it's just a week to week thing. But back on track, maybe uh, only two strikeouts, like you said, but twelve flyouts, four groundouts. Mm, not gonna call that too bad uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's as as solid as a performance you can get out of him, if he's not striking guys out, I don't, I don't really care how he gets people out. He's he's been effective. I think in these last couple starts now, he's looked like a maybe maybe more of the guy that we thought he'd be coming into the season. He went back to the stretch. He told me um, he was in the windup and and he was struggling, I guess. So he went back to the stretch and said he's he's walking less people. He's throwing more strikes. So um, yeah, he could be back. I mean, if if that's what he needed, if he needed some to, to kind of tweak the mechanics a bit, and he did that, then. You look for him to be, you know, the Ryland McCauley we've been expecting to see. Meanwhile, we missed out on Mason Earl on Saturday. Might have been uh, out and about. I think it was St. Patrick's Day, maybe on, on Saturday. Yeah, it was uh, some type of holiday. I don't quite remember. Maybe that's maybe that's a good maybe that's a good uh pun. Maybe I don't know. Was that, is that the is that the word you'd use there? The pun. If you say you don't quite remember it, sure. I don't we can know. go. We can go with that. Pun, but... Call that ironic. I don't know. Either way, Mason Earl at nine. Career high strikeouts. Uh, this is another good performance. A hundred pitches, too, for Erla through seven innings. Uh, Jake Lowry came in and mopped up, only let a run in, in the process. This was a, I mean, this is Mason Erla. We need to, we, we probably shouldn't have uh, been out and about on Saturday. We probably should have been out in McLean Baseball Stadium watching this guy do his thing because 3 and 0 on the season now. Uh, hopefully, get a chance to see him in either Ann Arbor or East Lansing this weekend, but. Tell you what, Mason Early just continues to put together these impressive performances. Yeah, I mean, he is, I, I feel confident in saying that he is, not the ace, of course not, but he's 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 the leader in that, one of the leaders in that, and the young leader too in that bullpen, or that uh, starting rotation. You can, you can trust his performances at this point. Yeah. The, like the sample size, I think, is large enough now for him, where it's at least, you know he's not going to, very often blow up, knock on wood, and then you know go only four and two thirds and give up six or seven or something along those lines. You're gonna get six innings out of him, maybe three runs. Right at the start of the season, Jake Lowry was in that starting rotation, and they kind of took him out and put him in the bullpen, and and they were kind of looking for that that one that last guy to start these kind of uh, these finales, these these last games of the series, and and Earl has been that guy, and he's performing well, so. It's going to be interesting to see how he performs against the better Michigan team this weekend because I'm assuming he's not going to go this midweek game against Central Michigan. So it's he is now one of the catalysts in that starting rotation, and he's young, which is which is interesting to see, which is cool to see. You saw Ethan Landon on Friday, Noah. Seven innings, five hits, 98 pitches, six strikeouts. I mean, it looked solid. What What did you see? He's been up and down here and there, but it looks like he's you know swinging on his way back around, looking to be the kind of pitcher that Michigan State needs him to be. Yeah, he he did pretty well. I mean, he he got into a little trouble in the first inning, let a few runners on, uh, but he really settled in. Seven innings. I mean, he scattered five hits over over seven frames and let up one run. I mean, I think that's about as good as you can get. I think Boss talked about it. I mean, he he was thrilled with the pitching performance out of him, and yeah. Where where do you think Boss is? I mean, you talked to him yesterday after after the Sunday performance with the Airs too, and then of course with the Airs on Friday. So you kind of got him both times. He was probably not in a good mood. 
what 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 is the uh, what what is the mindset with him right now when it comes to all this defensive kind of situation that Michigan State put them in? I think he's just frustrated. I mean, he he kind of commented that nobody was nobody was I guess owning up to to the mistakes they were making on Sunday. He said too many guys, I guess weren't weren't being accountable for for what had happened. He said that the blame, a lot of blame's on him, but you know he needs to have guys stepping up, and it's a whole team effort as well. But he was really thrilled with on Sunday. I mean, they never quit. I mean, they. I think there were six lead changes. They kind of went back and forth. They scored three runs in the bottom of the ninth after being down four. Uh, like they, I mean, they didn't quit after being uh, after being down. It's a slow start. It was actually something to see on on Friday. He clearly wasn't happy. Um, Boss and the coaches were the only ones to go out for a handshake, and the team usually meets in left field after each game. And Boss didn't meet him out there, so. That what what do you think that tells like okay put out the armchair manager for a second here what is what do you think that tells you about where he's at mentally with these guys Well, there's always two ways to go about a disappointing loss. You either you either scream or you kind of play that disappointed kind of you know that role where I'm just going to keep quiet. You guys know what you did wrong, you know type of thing. And I think that's the kind of the route he took. You know, let's let's you know you guys know what you did. Let's fix it. Let's get out of here. Let's get back to work the next day. Let's. Let's wash that one away. I, mean, and, I, think, I guess I kind of did that on Saturday. I mean, Erla having the performance he did kind of helps, but this uh, sun, Sunday kind of puts you back in the negative light of, what is this, what is this team going to look like now? Because you had a chance to get your three out of four, get some momentum on your side. You've been pretty close to 500 heading into a series with Michigan, heading into a midweek game with Central Michigan, uh, some directional schools coming up on the horizon. This is a maybe the... Maybe the part of the season where Michigan State needs to avoid bad losses or avoid, you know, losing a weekend series. If they're picking up two out of three, maybe you can stomach losing a midweek game, but they need to find their way back to 500 quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we saw Niagara who came in at two and eight. Now they're going to Central Michigan or Central Michigan's coming to East Lansing at four, 15 and one. And then Michigan on the weekend seven and eleven. So these pro these teams aren't necessarily up to their own standards and underperforming in, in their own way. Uh, Michigan losing to an NAIA program. So these are these are games that you you know series that you have to you have to win. You have to perform well and and you have to really take advantage of these opportunities against these these hurting teams that you know aren't performing well. And so maybe going over to the hitting now, we'll get to Central and Michigan in just a little bit, but uh, a couple of people who have been cooling off after hot starts, Justin Antonchitz, uh, Ryan King dropping a little bit in the average. I mean, there's such small drops that it's probably only the difference of one hit over a weekend. But, I mean, the offense does seem to have picked up just a little bit. I mean, 10 runs on, uh, on Sunday, 10 runs on the Thursday game. Uh, maybe the one game where they didn't do enough, I guess, to win the game was on Friday. And I mean, no, what do, what do you think about the bats on Friday? Did it look like they were just getting overmatched at any point? Um, I don't know if it was they were getting overmatched. They just weren't. I mean, they weren't really producing. I guess if you want to say. I, mean, I don't think. I mean, the, like hard hard contact. Maybe might have been down. Yeah, they were balls they right to field. They weren't maybe. driving the ball at all. There was not a lot of balls hit out of the infield. So I guess they weren't. They weren't making solid contact. I guess would be the main issue. But it doesn't seem like this has been a team that's had to, you know resort to sacrifices and small ball just to get runs across or move runners around. I mean, it looks like eyeballing it that they've been able to get, you know, decent hits at solid times. I mean, we not exactly balls. In the, I don't remember seeing any balls in the gap from the limited action I saw Sunday, but I'm sure there have been some guys that have been hitting the ball pretty hard lately. 
Yeah, on, on Thursday, 10 hits. 10 hits, everyone in the lineup except Antonsic got a run, or got a hit. So uh, it's hard to look at that and say, oh, you know, well, you know, they're not hitting because we yeah, saw but, 10 but, hit, Everyone was pitching but in. But it's still Niagara, though. Sure. I mean, it, I mean that, that, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the counterpoint to probably a lot of points you can and, make from this weekend. And one of the pitchers that came in relief for the Purple Eagles did have a 63 ERA. I mean, 63.00 ERA. And, and how so. did he end up doing? He cut it in probably fourths, I would say. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, it, maybe he's smaller just those, sample size. Maybe he just hasn't sure had a lot of innings. Start, yeah, but but yeah, they did capitalize off him. They they got some runners on, pushed a couple across on, on him. But it really on on Thursday, from you know being there, they were they were firing on all cylinders. Everyone was you know chipping in, like I said, except Antonsic got a hit. So that was uh that that was an offense that that was just waiting to break through, and they did. And and someone who I think maybe is is trying to drag his average up from maybe around the, the two hundred range now is at two twenty seven. I think he had a home run on Sunday, maybe I think yeah. he did it was home run on Sunday. Zach McGuire uh, has seemed to maybe just rediscover a little bit of the stroke that you need. Do you, do you think anyone on this team need like they? I mean, do they really need anyone at this point? Uh, uh, Bryce Kelly has been working his way back up. Uh, Marty Vakine is still below 200, but eventually you have to assume he's going to start hitting again. Uh, Danny Gleaves has still been kind of middling when it comes to the bat. Bailey Peterson still hasn't gotten many opportunities, but where that where those guys have kind of faltered, Dan Chmielewski leads the team now at 309. Justin Antone's just been getting on base. Roy Sando's been getting on base. Uh, Zach Iverson's actually got a 434 on base average right now, so. He's a good guy when it comes to play discipline. It seems as though whatever production you might have been quote unquote losing, I'm using quote unquote a lot so far tonight. Uh, they have been able to pick it up with guys who we probably hadn't expected to maybe improve that part of their game as much coming into this year. Yeah, but at this point in the season, it's it's time to start looking at your your guys and starting to say, hey, those who are aren't performing it's through it's, 50, through 50 at bats you think so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah maybe for sure i mean you're back maybe. home i mean you're facing these these programs who aren't necessarily you know hanging banners so no but i mean you could you could also think of it as maybe uh wait until we get out of march get right in the swing of big 10 play and if you're not hit at that point well we'll we'll bring you in for pinch hitting pinch running and that's about it buddy yeah, I, I guess I'm reading too much into this this home I said, opener. I, I, I felt I, like it was they were waiting for this. They they were chomping at the bit to get back home, and and maybe I'm reading too much into to getting home and and getting back in a routine. But I, I think they'll, that it's, they'll be in the state of Michigan for about a whole month here, so plenty of opportunities for us to see them. Uh, but I, yeah, there's I think I can get where you're coming from with it, but at the same time, they were what two and eight coming in, two and ten coming in Niagara, two and eight. Two and eight. So, I just you want to draw conclusions, but you also don't. And at the same time, you you only split when you probably should have swept it. I mean, I'll go. They were, yeah. I mean, that's fair to say. There were a couple errors, a couple miscues away from sweeping. Yeah, in my opinion, they yeah, if they went in and played clean baseball, they would have walked away from the series with four wins and been closer up to five hundred. Then you're eight and ten, and things are looking pretty Pretty okay, maybe because you you can. I still think you can look at those games from early in the season and say you only played them by one run. I mean, those are good performances against good schools too. Clemson so what if you're not winning? I mean, at some point they're going to have to win, but for right now, maybe at some point we're doing we're doing all right. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. maybe just kind of treading water. I would just like, you know, if I was Coach Boss, you needed those wins. I mean, right. against yeah. a program like Niagara, I and they're going to hit, RB- and they're going to hit the RPI pretty hard. They're down to what two hundred something now, two twenty-seven. I mean, obviously, it's going to have a chance to roll back up, but it's not a good start. I think maybe it's just because Niagara was so low that you that even that even if you split them, I mean, you can put in the kind of performances you want, but it still means that you split them at the end. Of the and day. it did drop them a lot. I mean, they dropped them nearly almost a hundred hundred spots. I mean. It was crazy to see that 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 fall. So moving on now, I think we've we've kind of touched on all the relevant areas of of individual player performance. Uh, we'll move on quickly talking about Central Michigan, who come in that they play on Wednesday at, at three o'clock. Uh, don't know who the starter might be for that. Could be someone like Machma. Could be Mitch Tyransky, uh, one of the bullpen guys. Maybe even see uh, Keegan Barr, Andrew Gonzalez, one of those types. Jake Lowry. Uh, the the chips have lost thirteen of their last sixteen, so what does that tell you? I don't I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where you got to come in again, and it's it's one it's a one game sample size, and you say got to win this one or else. Well, it means smell the blood and attack. I mean, right, Central no. Michigan clearly yeah. isn't you know performing up to where they want where they want to be, but you know they they have played some good schools. You know, played New Mexico and in the non conference, and and uh, Stephen F. Austin and. They've played some 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 decent teams here, but you know, uh, four and fifteen can tell you something about a something about how a team's doing. Do is this a must win game for yeah. Michigan State? Yeah, I think anytime. Well, a Big Ten school is coming to play a Mac school. I think it's a must win game in general, especially at home. But yeah, a must win game after they just split a series, they probably should have won at least three out of four. I just I think that you guys are in the right, but I just I I don't want to like put them. Like six feet under, if they lose a game to Central Michigan in the in the early part of the season. You so know? just like our it's, last it, guest, you're it, not ready to push the panic button just yet. Well, uh, I think after this weekend, the performances aren't quite matching the results yet. Does that does that make sense? I mean, you guys have seen more than I have, but if, from from the looks of it, it seems though they deserved maybe a couple more wins than they've been picking up. Yeah, yeah, on on paper, I mean, they they outscored Niagara twenty seven to seventeen. Yet still split the series, and their starters pitched to one point oh eight ERA, but they lost two of the four games. So I I think like the numbers are there; they're just not getting the results they wanted. The last four games for for Central Michigan, uh, lost two out of three against Northwestern, and then uh, ran ran Lawrence Tech right out of the building fourteen to one. I think Lawrence Tech is in the Michigan area. Could be wrong. It you is. guys are both from Illinois. Yeah, right? they're in. Yeah, they're they're, they're NIIA. So from... so they're what D is it technically D two? Is, is NAI it, what, what, is what's, uh... a, it's actually not affiliated with so the NCAA junior so college. It's it's a, it's they're four year schools. Okay, not affiliate not affiliated with the NCAA. So NAI is its own kind of separate entity, its own organization, I guess. Research showing through here on the uh, Warren well, Track podcast. I played NAIA, so that's true. Yeah, so you should know better. Uh, Northwestern. Maybe another middling Big Ten school, I'd say, probably. Okay, that sounds good to me. So, two out of three losses there for Central. Can expect Michigan State to probably win this one in the middle of the week. But, here's where it gets interesting, because you go over to Ann Arbor, and then back to Michigan, to East Lansing, and then back to Ann Arbor the day after. There's always that weird scheduling with them, I never quite understand it. Michigan in town slash out of town next weekend. You're looking at a team that lost to the very same aforementioned Lawrence Tech just the 
just a little while ago, 7-11 on the year. Uh, they've had some weird losses. They've had some decent wins. You look at their game against Arizona. They lost that one 9-5, to a common opponent there for Michigan State, a team that Michigan State might have beat earlier in the year. I'm not going to say anything there. They did win a game against Stanford, uh, number eight Stanford, out in, out in Palo Alto, so probably their best win of the year. It's kind of been up and down lately. They had a game against Oakland that was going to get rained out. That would be another common opponent that Michigan State would have had with them. But then they go out and they sweep Bowling Green, so they're nice and hot coming into this week. But nice little piece of note information that I'm just checking out from looking at their schedule. They played two games in the midweek. They have back-to-back uh, midweek games against Bowling Green and Oakland on the on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, dare I say it, Michigan coming off a, a tough schedule in the middle of the week could be tired heading into their weekend series of Michigan State, my column. Yeah, maybe a depleted pitching staff. I mean, maybe maybe that we could see that. Maybe that's on hand. I don't know. I'm just I, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it. They are technically Big Ten games now. So the first uh, in-conference games for Michigan State, a very big deal, very capital B, big deal. If Michigan State wants to find themselves in position to make the Big Ten tournament, this, that, and the other, you kind of get my drift. Guys, do Michigan State need another two out of three weekend, yes or no? The answer is probably yes. I would say yeah. I mean, it's more or less, it's hard to, like you said with the scheduling, it's hard to say it's a a road series, but, you know, you're playing two of the three on the road, so you definitely want to steal that one at home for sure. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you go. I was I was just gonna cut you off. Well, how rude of you. Um it's like I said, it's hard to say whether this is road or home or, or whatever. You know, it's still in Michigan, but I say you gotta go, you gotta go get them. I mean, Michigan is seven and eleven. Um did play some really good teams like like you know, you just mentioned, but Arizona, some really Stanford. good really good, you know, players too. Some some preseason, you know, big ten selections and, and I know Ego Thomas from uh from back home, and it's this is a talented Michigan team. So you do want two of three, but know that they're gonna fight. The other side of it is that they don't play again until after the school year is out. They play back again on May 9th over in uh over in East Lansing. So, I, I mean, if you split those games, I guess that that'd be pretty good. But these these three up here are the only ones that count as Big Ten games. If if you want a, a nice little interesting factoid there. That might be something that, you know, is a big feather Michigan State's cap down the road if they were able to get a couple of those wins early on now while it's in Big Ten play. You can lose the other one because who cares? I don't know. Maybe I Just from a Big Ten standpoint, I feel like these games are probably more important than I mean, from now on. All these conference games are going to be such bigger deals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously conference record matters a lot more than, than overall record, especially when MSU's trying to make the Big Ten tournament. But, I mean, you look at, it's a struggling U of M team. I know they just beat up on Bowling Green. But, I mean, this is a very, like, these are three winnable games for Michigan State. I think they should walk away with at least two of them. And they need to, I say they, they need to take two out of three. And I say that because, you know, we bring up Big Ten play and, and the conference tournament. And this might be their only way, you know, as as the season progresses, we start to see that this might be their only way into postseason play, into a, a national bid. So they need to one perform well in conference play, make the conference tournament, and do what you have to do to, uh, you know, fight for for a national bid. Any other any other interesting pieces of information you guys got from the weekend? I mean, I I don't think I only caught about 
four or five innings of, of uh, Sunday's game, one that uh, a podcast member Tino Barca said made him hate baseball, I think, with the uh, with the amount of time it took. And these are pitching change after pitching change, so I don't blame you. Should should the uh, should the college game introduce the pitch clock and the uh, and and reduce the number of mound visits this and that? That'd be that'd be an interesting discussion to have, maybe for a different show. I don't see why not. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan of the pace of play initiative. Maybe at least no. During... So you're saying in general? So you're you're one of those people that goes uh, take however long you need to? Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't That's see why not. That's interesting. At least during the March Madness. Tournament. All right, we can we can insert some <laughs> when, kind of when Michigan State's play. playing. So, okay, this is one of the uh, few Michigan State sports still playing. Uh, thanks, thanks to Michigan, thanks to Tom Izzo's uh, mind blowing uh, defense, uh, offensive uh, yeah, substitutions. We'll, we'll leave it to first, that. We'll <laughs> leave that to the uh, to the impact is on people. I have to come on there and just. How's the NIT? I mean, they're playing tonight. Women's, women's NIT. Yeah. They they are in that. That's one of the few. Who knew the okay? I'll make a bad joke here, but who knew the Michigan State women's team was going to last longer in postseason play than the Michigan State men's team? I had faith in this women's team since the beginning. This is a very senior laden squad. This might be the best shot that Michigan State has at a women's NIT in, in years. Yeah, that's all. That's all I'll say there. But, you know, we'll quickly get some uh, Michigan State. Oh. 68-66, Michigan State wins it. That's a final. Is that against okay. Toledo? That's against Toledo. They're moving on. They play on Thursday. How about that? That must. I bet you it was a game-winning shot. I'm gonna call it right now. I bet you it was a game-winning shot. I'm gonna look it up. That is amazing. No one else wants to vamp and kill time for me while I look up what what time what what happened to this. All I have game. to say is that I don't think Izzo was coaching that game. No. Not a lot. I see what you did there. <laughs> no, your thoughts and opinions on Michigan State basketball very quickly. Um, not good uh performance by by Izzo especially look at I mean they didn't know when to pass they didn't know where to pass they, they, they Izzo just got out coached by Boheim I was Turk with the Bayheim. fist pump Bayheim. what was that about it was I was kind of right it was a game get kind of game winner it was Shea Colley layup with two seconds left to to break the tie and score 14 points they made three of their last three shots to 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 shock the Rockets we missed a good one, didn't we? No, I'm okay. And here's the thing: is Swiseki, uh, Zach Swiseki, current play-by-play coordinator here at Impact 89 FM WDBM, you can find him at, at Zach Swise. I'm sure he wants to plug in, in Warning Track. I'm sure he's listening all the way through. He uh, he had mentioned that they were looking for people to cover tonight's game. So uh, I'm not going to call anyone out here at the station if they're listening 28 minutes into the show. But we could have used someone at that women's NIT game tonight, and hopefully we found enough people. That's all I'll say. Hope so. Hope so. The other side of it is uh, we will have plenty of coverage coming out from this weekend. Uh, got, definitely have to cross our T's, dot our I's, but we very likely will be heading to Ann Arbor and catching uh, Friday and Sunday's game. Uh, be I think my first time watching Riley McCauley this year, so maybe see a, a new and improved from the stretch Riley McCauley uh, coming out against the Wolverines on Friday afternoon. You th- I mean, tell you what, at this point, do you just pencil in McCauley and Erla as, as W's at this point? And that's, I mean, that, where they are in the rotation, and when you're matching up Erla against a team's third guy, tell you what, I mean, Michigan State's been been very consistent in, the, in those third games, and those uh, usually a Sunday game. I do like that, that McCauley start in game one and Erla is usually that, that finale. I, mean, I still think you don't need to change it. I think we, we've asked, I've asked you guys that question multiple times, and I think it, we don't have to really talk about it, but I don't think you have to change anything right now. The I think the only way you'd change it is if, say, is, is the second guy Landon, 
if, if Landon goes out and puts together four or five games where he's out early. It's been Landon, so I, I would keep him there. Right, but I'm saying, like, okay, imagine Landon goes on a run where he's he's only out after, like, two times through rotation, or to the, through the order, rather, and, and he just hasn't really been cutting it quite as, as much as he has, at least through this part of the season. So would you move him back a day, or would you so then you'd insert move, someone so else? So then you'd move Erla to two, and then, and then Landon to three. Is that, I mean, does that... Does that, seem like, does, that, does that seem like a thing people do, though? I mean, from your from your time around the college game. No, I mean, it's pretty much, <laughs> which was a year. Yeah. Um, no, nah, that's pretty consistent. I mean, we see that, you know, sometimes we get so angry with our, you know, you guys with the Tigers, me with the Cubs, but, you know, we want we want change right away. We want change, yeah. but it's, I Base, see it's Baseball's a slog. I, I think the, the less you change over time, unless some guys, obviously, like, you can see it just stinking it out of the park. You can change something then, but I think you know it's a gradual process, and that's why I think guys like Kelly, maybe even Glebes, but but Kino start hitting. Uh, haven't been yet, but I think the sample size is still just a little bit too small to make any defining judgments on. I, I, does that does that seem like an opinion that carries some weight? Yeah, it's it's still early. I mean, they're like they got they still have a lot of time to play. Barely twenty games in. Yeah, weather's still cold too. Bats are still cold. I mean, I'd I'd wait a little bit. All right, but we cannot wait for Wednesday's game, Central Michigan, plus the weekend series of Michigan. Uh, we'll hope, hopefully, we'll get some fan questions to come out of out of next week. We're, we've been trying fan to de- interference. We've been trying to debut fan interference. And we're just waiting on those questions, so please do not hesitate to send those in. Uh, if you have any questions on that, you can you can DM us on Twitter. We'll make sure to get them in the warning track show for next week. But uh, at Kyle Turk five at Abarco four at Noah G four two three. Three consummate professionals when it comes to quickly responding to your baseball-related queries. We will catch you guys at the end of next week once we get back from Ann Arbor. Until then, you've been listening to The Warning Track. Have a good one.